So just a little recap here. We've been talking ever since Keith Moore broke open the subject about a month and a half ago on the will of God, knowing the will of God and following the will of God for our life. The Lord quickened me to keep going with that because there was a lot more we needed to get as a church. And so we've been talking about understanding what the will of the Lord is. You know, the specific path God has for your life, the specific direction He wants you to walk in. And we found out that the more selective we are about His will, the more effective we'll be in life, in everything, business, overcoming problems, marriage, raising children. The more selective we are. See, you can be at any level you want to be in living in the will of God for your life. I encourage you, go all the way. Don't listen to the lie of the devil that if you really follow the will of God, you won't like it. Tell that thought to shut up and quote 10 scriptures against it, proving that following God's plan is the best thing for you, your marriage, your children, your family, your business, and everybody around you. The Bible says that if you follow God's plan for your life, you'll find prosperity, you'll find peace, you'll find protection, and you'll find a bright future. The book of Job says if you obey and serve the Lord, you will spend your days in prosperity and your years in pleasure. This doesn't mean problems won't come your way and temptation won't come your way, but it does mean you will always overcome. The Bible says we have need of patience, endurance, so that after we've done the will of God, we might receive the promise. So really, doing the will of God is not earning anything from the Lord. It positions us to receive better from the Lord. Are you following me, church? And the Bible says that the world passes away, the lust of this world passes away, but he that does the will of God is going to live forever. Not just exist forever, you know, enduring every day and all the chance. Live is a big step above existing. Too many people rolling out of bed existing. They should be jumping out of bed living. And it happens because you're doing the will of God. When you're doing the will of God, you don't have to pray for your plans to be blessed. His plans are already blessed. I said, when you're living in the will of God for your life, you don't have to pray for your plans to be blessed. If you're doing His will, His plans are already blessed. Amen. So, <clears throat> we're going to take a tiny turn today, but we're still going to talk about the will of God, but we're going to talk about today the will of God in the area of what He wants you to have. We've been talking about what He wants you to do. But you, there's some things we need to know about the will of God concerning what He wants us to have, so we'll start receiving these amazing things and living the life He wants us to live. I quoted during the offering, or before the offering, actually about the leper who came to Jesus and worshipped Him. Remember that? This guy's got what the world calls is an incurable disease. And just remember, when man tells you there's no hope, that's not Jesus saying there's no hope. Right? So the leper comes to Jesus and worships Him, and then after he's done worshiping Him for a while, he says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean or heal me of leprosy, if you will. So this guy is not totally sure about God's will to heal him. And he's still a leper. When you're not totally sure about God's will to heal you, you're going to have a hard time making connection with the healing power of God. Because I want you to notice, this guy knows the Lord is able. Lord, if you're willing, I know you can heal me. How many know just knowing God's able to heal you 
is not all your faith needs to receive healing from the Lord. You got to know one other thing. You got to know he wants to heal you if you want your faith to rise up and take what it needs from the Lord. This man was sick. This man was dying. He was incurable. And all along he believed God was able to heal him. But he said, Lord, he said, he said do you want to read this scripture with me? You trust me? All right. Are we doing okay here? Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 through 3. The man said, Lord, if you will, you can heal me. So he knew that he could, but he wasn't sure that he would. But what happens when you realize he wants you healed? Oh, my goodness. The next verse, he has no more leprosy. When Jesus said, he answered his question, said, you're asking me if I want you healed? One translation says, of course I want you healed. Be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. One translation says, Jesus said, you, you're asking me if I want you healed. I want it and yearn to do it with all my heart. See, when you get to that place in your knowledge of the Lord, it's not going to be hard to receive something you know he wants you to have more than you want to have it. We need to get the revelation is he wants you to have that miracle and that healing more than you want to have it. He's a father. We're his dear children. Of course he wants us healed. Right? I mean, he told the woman that was bowed together for 18 years in the synagogue, had some spirit of oppression on her, a spirit of infirmity, couldn't lift herself up, some crazy condition. He told the religious leaders who were persecuting him for doing good works on the Sabbath day, he said, ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And he laid hands on her and immediately she was made straight and they all freaked out. Well, if a daughter of Abraham ought to be healed, I wonder what uh, should be about a daughter of God. They ought to ought to be healed. Come <laughs> on, if a daughter of Abraham ought to be healed, then a daughter or son of God ought to ought to ought to be healed. This is not a side issue with the Lord. By his stripes she were healed. He went through a lot to set you free. I suggest we take hold of that and say, Lord, I thank you for my deliverance. I thank you for my healing. And do your best to stay in faith until it materializes. And just thank the Lord right into your miracle. But, see, a lot of people don't know the will of God in this area. They're wondering like the leper. Well, I know he can. I know he can. Yeah, and he was still a leper. But when he heard the words, not only can I, I will be thou clean. Now that's like Jesus saying to you, I will. By my stripes you were healed. Come on, the Lord's telling you today what he wants you to hear. And he's saying this concerning God healing you. I will. I want to. It's his will. Well, no, he just said that to the leper. You know, he may not say that to me. If he doesn't say that to you, then he's a respecter of persons. And the Bible says three places in the New Testament, he is no respecter of persons. He doesn't have favorites. If we'll do what the leper did, we'll get what the leper got. He didn't earn anything from the Lord. He just came and worshiped the Lord and out of his love worshiped Jesus. And when the Lord said you're healed, he just believed it. So I want to encourage you, know the will of God in this area too. So turn with me please to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And how many of you have already known to a degree that it's God's will that you're healed? Raise your hand if you already know that. 
You already, you've read the scriptures, by his stripes you were healed. Christ has set you free from the curse of sickness, right? He took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses, and by his stripes we are healed. So m many of us have already seen that it's God's will. But you can know that deeper. That can dawn on you. The day star can arise in your heart. I mean, this thing can change you. I mean, it probably wouldn't hurt one bit if we just went around all day one day just saying, God wants me healed. God wants me healed more than I want to be healed. God's a father. He wants me healed. God wants my marriage fixed. God wants my kids growing up right. God wants my, my family free. Say it. God wants it. See, God is able wasn't enough for the leper to get healed. But when he heard, I will, he got healed. So for the remaining time, I want to talk to you about <clears throat> something that I think a lot of believers were passing up opportunities to see miracles because we're not realizing something strong enough. You know, just because somebody goes down on the battlefield of life doesn't mean God wanted them to go down. Just because somebody crashed and burned doesn't mean God's deliverance wasn't there to keep them from crashing and burning. Let me put it like this. How many of you know you're not going to benefit one bit from money you don't know you have? Right? You're not going to be able to access anything, withdraw anything. If you don't know you have it, you're probably not going to appropriate it. How, how could you? Well, there's some things that we have that some people have not been appropriating. And them being defeated was no sign God wanted them defeated. They just didn't realize something, access something, appropriate something that was there all along. So... So when it comes to the will of God in what you have, He wants you healed. He wants you free from depression forever. Not well for two weeks and have another episode. He wants you totally, completely above it forever. He wants your marriage strong and restored no matter what hit it in the past or what you're going through right now. He wants you fixed in every area of your life. He provided it. He died so you could have it. It's His will. And now what we need to do is we need to learn how to access these things that He already provided and start seeing His will in our life in this area of health, prosperity, strength, strong marriage, victory, freedom, no more depression, deliverance, victory over habits. It's time His will starts showing up in those areas. Anybody interested in how that might happen? So turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We talked about the will of God concerning what we need to be doing in life for the last few weeks. But now I want to talk about the will of God in this area of having some things in our life that He wants us to have, good things. Is that okay with you, church? Because I can talk about the Antichrist if you'd like, or Levitical law, or sacrifices. <laughs> All right, let's stick with this. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. <clears throat> so Paul needed some help. And he was going about it like a lot of people are going about it today and not seeing much results. So let's see if we can learn anything from our brother Paul, the apostle here. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. 
He was going through a difficulty. There was some uh, demonic opposition against him. People were persecuting him, wanting to kill him. All kinds of stuff was rising up against him because you know, he was preaching the gospel on the front lines. And he said, for this thing, for this thing to lead me, I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. So before we go any further, what do we see here? Paul's got a big problem. And he's praying, and he's praying, and he's praying for something to leave him, and his prayers ain't working like he hoped. Ever prayed, and prayed, and prayed, and still not get the victory? Kind of wondered, Lord, are you still there? Are you on vacation? Are you helping somebody else out? You don't have time for me, or what? That's not the case. God can fix everybody's problem at the same time. He's high tech. Right? It says here, Paul said he prayed three times that this messenger of Satan, this, this demonic persecution might stop. It wasn't a sickness or a disease in this verse that he was talking about. He was talking like the Old Testament talks when it talked about there were thorns in our side and, and they, were, they were bothering us. There were enemies coming against him to persecute them. Paul had tons of persecution coming against him and they stoned him. They beat him with rods. He, they, they did all kinds of stuff to him. He even rose up after he was dead one time and kept preaching. They, the persecution was amazing against this guy. And he's praying, Lord, I'm asking you, Lord, <laughs> kind of like this to stop here. And what did the Lord say in verse 9? Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, Paul said, therefore will I rather glory in my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So we can see in this verse right here, he's not talking about staying in weakness. He's talking about power coming on him in the midst of this weakness and overcoming. Sometimes the answer is not take the problem away. Sometimes the answer is overcome it. Huh? I remember when I first got saved, you know, there were some things that tracked me, demons and opposition and oppression was on my case. It was terrible. I didn't think I was going to make it. And I was saying, Lord, I prayed in the past and you've delivered me and set me free. I prayed this time. I'm not feeling any better. And the Lord says something better is happening. I'm going to teach you how to grow stronger than the problem. I'm going to teach you how to develop in faith so that you're not always looking over your shoulder from something I delivered you from. It might happen again someday. I'm going to deliver you from the fear of it reoccurring because you're going to develop this time, not just get bailed out. I mean, there's no substitute for developing in faith. Some things you just got to grow stronger than, right? And I was wondering, well, Lord, why didn't you just take it away this time? He said, because my grace is sufficient for you. If you'll just stay in faith, be aware of my grace, you'll develop, you'll get stronger, and pretty soon these things that are coming against you will not be that big of a deal anymore. I know I told you all this, but when I was a kid, I did not like a commercial that was on TV. I got scared and I ran in the bedroom. It was a Ham's beer commercial where the drums were doom, 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 doom. It was this commercial for beer. And I'm just this little kid in California. My parents are watching TV and I heard that and I always just run in the bedroom and hide. Well, how many of you know my deliverance and my answer was not, please don't ever have that commercial on again. It was grow up, son. It was grow, develop. Now... The Ham's beer commercial can keep playing. So the answer was not take it away. The answer was 
deal with it, <laughs> grow up, overcome through growing. I'm not afraid, I have good news for you today, I'm not afraid of that commercial anymore. <laughs> hey, listen, church, it's called deliverance through growing up. Now, there is a big word for a lot of people struggling with habits. Things you think you can't overcome. Don't, number one, don't ever say you can't overcome anything. That's totally a violation of Scripture. You're going against the Lord, and it's really disrespect for the Lord. Don't say you can't overcome something. You're not demon-possessed. Don't say you can't overcome it. You may feel like you can't. You may have tried for 13, 14, 15 years to overcome and still not get the victory, but never say, I can't overcome it. That actually invites more bondage in your life to where one day you may not be able to overcome it. Huh? Watch out about saying, I can't. Mm -mm. So, where am I? <laughs> Paul said, I sought the Lord three times for this problem to depart from me. Jesus said, Paul, you already have access to something that's sufficient for you. Hmm? So, then, then the Lord told him, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is... Now, and when I think about it, I think, now, Lord, how does that apply to us? Well, let me just say this. Next time you're in a jam or in a tough spot or a crisis of life comes your way, before you freak out, before you go down the worry road, take a deep breath and remind yourself, His grace is sufficient for me. I'm going to make it through this thing. I don't have to figure this out all on my own. I can't get out of this just by my effort only. But his grace on top of whatever I can do equals I got the victory. If you don't realize and acknowledge the fact that there is a supernatural power with you anytime a problem comes your way, you're probably not going to access it. So I want, I want to say this to you today. Become way more aware of the grace of God with you, especially when things don't turn out like you hoped. Because you can go through that problem by yourself or you can go through that problem with the help of God and get out 10 times quicker, come out without the smell of smoke on you, no scars. Say this, I am not alone in the storms of life. Now, a while back, I think it was around Easter, maybe not that far back, um, we did a teaching on Jesus is in trouble. And what we simply mean by that is he's in the trouble with you to help get you out of the trouble. Jesus in trouble was kind of a play on words to get people's attention. Jesus is in trouble. What do you mean he's in trouble? What did he do? Did he do something wrong? No, but you did. <laughs> or somebody did you wrong. And he's in trouble for a whole different reason. He's in trouble to get you out of trouble. But like money, if you don't know you got it, how can you appropriate it? How can you benefit from it? You can't spend it. You can't use it. Well, Jesus is in your life if you're a believer. You need to learn how to access his grace and his power so that when, not if, when the crisis of life comes, you don't go down the road most people go down. You actually get some supernatural victory in your life. And it starts with being aware Paul said his, his grace was always there. It was more than enough to get him through and on, on top of this situation. But he was thinking he had to get something more, but the Lord had to remind him, I've already given you all. 
And it was more, it wasn't about praying, praying, praying. It was actually about saying his grace is sufficient for me. His grace is sufficient. That's a great phrase for you to adopt and use anytime a problem comes your way. Before you freak out, before you say or think or do anything, just say his grace is sufficient for me. And his power begin to come on you and help you get out. So I want you now to turn to uh, Psalm 46 and verse 1. So I, I was reading the 31-day devotional, Amazing Grace Changes Everything, which is the devotional I wrote for the church here and, and other people if they want it. And I was reading, um, it was a few days ago, and the chapter was on, what was it? It was Grace Awareness. How many think we should have a Grace Awareness Month? <laughs> because the, the th it's not going to be natural to be aware of God's saving grace in the midst of the greatest problem of your life. The devil's going to try to get you thinking and seeing and imagining defeat and, oh, what am I going to do? And all oh, those people that hurt me. But if you can just start shifting your thinking and say, no, I I'm going to be first and foremost aware of God's grace then you get to see more of it. All right? So, in Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. <laughs> Let me try that again. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. You got to try it again. <laughs> God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Amen. Glory to God. Now, why do a lot of people not see the help of the Lord? They're not aware of his presence. They're not aware of grace. They're not aware of the power of God to help them out. Therefore, they go down the worry road and they see no victory. Do you know, refusing to worry is more than just a good idea. It's life-saving. Everybody say, I refuse, I refuse to, worry. to worry. What's worry? Worry is the enemy working on you. Worry is you having more consciousness of the problem than the grace of God to fix the problem. People that choose the worry route don't access grace. And so when things don't go well, it looks like God didn't come through for them, but really what happened is they didn't get on the right road. You can't blame God for not, you not getting on the right road when he already told you what road to get on. So I want to read you a few things here. It came out of the book, Amazing Grace Changes Everything. Grace, when we're talking about the grace of God, you know, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. When we're talking about grace, we're talking about something that is with you 24-7 to get you through every storm, help you overcome every problem, even if you created the problem yourself. Because the very nature of the definition of grace means you don't deserve grace, but you get it anyway. So don't let the devil in your own brain lie to you saying, well, I know God would help me out of this problem, but I'm the one that caused it. No, that's who grace is for, okay? Grace doesn't work for perfect people. Grace is only for people who don't deserve help. You need to understand that. So the un grace means the undeserved favor and power of God to help you. Say this, I don't deserve healing, but I get it anyway. 
If you'll have faith like that, you'll see more results than trying harder whatever bring you. Trusting. Trust the Lord. The Lord will bail you out of things you created. <coughs> and it's going to take humility to believe for that kind of help because human nature says, no, I need to pay for my mistakes. I'm a man. I'm, I can pay for my own mistakes. That's how you don't get the Lord's help. Grace means the undeserved favor and power of God to help you out of every problem, through every storm, to, to Victoryville. <laughs> Amen? So let me read this to you. Faith in the grace of God eliminates all worry. So if you're worrying, instead of just stop trying to worry, get your eyes on this amazing grace that is with you 24-7 and it'll see you through. And then it's not, boy, I did this, and I prayed so long, and I, I did this, and I fasted. Now it's, <laughs> praise God. I didn't do anything to get myself out of this mess except, except yield to his grace. And then he gets all the glory, and he gets all the blessings. So I'm going to say that I already said about a qualification for grace in your life is you have to be non-deserving of it. That doesn't mean you have to go out and do something wrong to see God's grace. We've already all done enough wrong, right? But a qualification, Romans 4 talks about this almost the entire chapter, that if you want the help of God, you have to get it by faith. It comes by grace through faith. It, it's, it doesn't work for perfect people, okay? This only works for people like you and me. Well, oh, Pastor, I don't know. I don't know if I need grace. You need grace. I'm telling you, are, are you the one sparking things on the inside to keep your heart beating or is something beyond you keeping that happening, huh? Did you create the air you're breathing or did somebody else create the air you're breathing that you need to live, huh? It, it's so funny to see people curse God and they're breathing the air he made. So, so crazy to see people, I don't believe in God and, and the gravity God made holding them down to the earth. It's like you're blaspheming the one that's holding you down to the earth. You're saying you don't believe in the one who created the air you're breathing to say those words with. What? <laughs> ding. Like a pinball machine. Ding, ding. So, Paul became aware of God's amazing grace and he stopped praying for deliverance and he got deliverance. Huh. Maybe instead of praying all the time, we should be doing some saying like, God, your grace is sufficient for me. And the devil will be right there and say, yeah, you'd get victory if you wouldn't have messed up two weeks ago. Then you say, well, let me give you the definition of grace, devil. Amen. Grace is for the non-deserving. we got to get out of this performance-based mentality thinking that our salvation, our healing, our deliverance is somehow based on us performing a certain way. It's not now rewards are a whole different teaching. You know, we're rewarded by the things we do, but we're saved, healed, and delivered by grace through faith. Huh? Saved by grace, rewarded by works. But when it comes to salvation or healing or deliverance, help in those areas of your life, that's all non-performance-based. That's grace-based. Faith in His love for you. Faith in, I don't know, I, God's a Father, right? 
So let's say you go, let's say, you, let's say your parents tell you, don't ride the bike down this certain place. It's too rocky and there's all kinds of stuff there and barbed wire fence and just stay away from this place. Let's say you go ahead and ride and take that route. You just want to see what it's like. It's got a steep hill. Bang, crash, you, you crash, you burn, you fall into the barbed wire fence and you're bleeding. Your parents come on the scene. What do they do? I told you. Sheesh. I don't even think I'm going to talk to you now. What's the first response of a parent who loves that child? Even though that parent knows they just violated what I told them to do, they rebelled, I made it clear, this was not oblivious to them, and they did it anyway. What's the first response of a parent? Run over there and say, are you okay? Are you okay? I don't care about you breaking the rules right now, honey. Let's just get you help. Let's just get you healed. How much more will your heavenly father treat you when you do something you know you shouldn't do. Hmm? The interesting thing about it is a lot of people are stiff-arming God when He's wanting to help. They're stiff-arming God. They're saying, they're, they're, they're going down the worry road. They're going down the road that says, no, I don't deserve this. That's not God not helping you. That's you turning away from His help. You've got to understand that. So, grace can fix anything inside or out. I know sometimes things on the inside need fixed. They can be fixed. Runaway, runaway emotions, broken hearts, right? Memories, thoughts, pain on the inside. He heals the broken hearts. He binds up the wounds. He can fix anything on the inside and on the outside. And if you need help from the Lord, you need His grace. Huh? Did you know God can't be gracious to us if we think we deserve it? The, the, the very nature of grace, you, you push it away. As soon as you think you deserve or God owes you something, you push away His help from your life. Well, God, I've been in the Word and I've gone to church and I've said this and I've done that. Yeah, and you're pushing yourself further and further away from the help He wants to give you. Some, the two people in the New Testament that Jesus said had the greatest faith were also very humble and respectful and very um, aware of the fact that they didn't deserve the miracle. Interesting that the two people in the New Testament, Jesus had had the greatest faith of all, were the centurion said, Lord, I'm not even worthy. You should come under my roof. Interesting that a word like that and great faith go together. Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Speak the word only. This was a Roman centurion that could have arrested Jesus in five seconds. But, on the, but he did the opposite. Well, choosing to worry steers us away from God's grace to fix things. So say this, I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to get on a road that leads me away from grace. Worry, when Jesus said don't worry, he was not just comforting us. He wasn't saying don't worry, everything will be all right. He was saying, don't worry so that everything can be all right. Worry is a thief. It will pull you away from God's best. It will bring you into a zone that God's grace can't be fully active in your life. We got to get to the point where we refuse to worry. I refuse to worry. You have to deal with those shotgun thoughts that the devil's blasting your way and say, no, I refuse to worry. He'll come and say, but it's your fault. I refuse to worry. Yeah, but you made the problem. But I refuse to worry. Come on, who hasn't made a problem? Did Jesus ever heal one perfect person? 
Did he ever say, because of your perfection, you're healed? He said, according to your faith, be it unto you. He even healed people that we knew were sinners because then he said, go your way and sin no more. So he healed them while they were in sin. Opportunities are missed every day when people choose to worry instead of trusting God's grace to get them through the storm. And just, now listen, being defeated doesn't mean grace wasn't there to give you the victory. That's why we got to talk about these things once in a while. You're not alone when all hell breaks loose. You're not alone when that thing slaps you upside the face. I'm going to say it over and over because I want you aware of this because I know we all go through stuff. Some of you may go through stuff this next week. Just remember, God's grace is there to give you total victory. Don't worry about it. Everything's going to be all right. You have to just start saying, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that delivered someone undeserving like me. Being defeated doesn't mean grace wasn't there to give you the victory. Remind yourself that it's not all up to you to make everything better. Say, it's not all up to me to make everything better. Even though it was all up to me while I'm in the mess. <laughs> Trust in the grace of God to do what you can't do. Yes, there's going to be many times it's going to look like we can't do something. But as long as we do what the Lord told us to do, He'll do what we're not able to do. So take a deep breath right now and say, Devil, you are no match for the grace of God. <laughs> You're going to have to do that more than what I just led you to in right there. Say this. God's grace is sufficient for me. All right. How many believe that's working? All right. Turn to your neighbor and look like it's working. <laughs> How do you know it's where you're smiling, man? <laughs> Say his grace is sufficient for me and then... Believe that it's working. Sometimes you have to say this to adverse circumstances. Believe things have to shape up because God didn't lie to you. Did the Lord just say to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you to get out of this? Or did he say that to everybody? He said that to everybody. Yeah. Right? So believe he didn't lie to you. Amen. When it feels like, looks like, seems like, smells like, tastes like, it's not, you're not going to get free? Declare, oh no, God didn't lie to me. His grace is resting on me and I'm coming out. I don't have to know all the details either. I just know I'm coming out of this thing. Make a big deal out of the amazing grace of God in your life. Make a, because see, pride wants to do the opposite. Pride wants to say, I did this and I did that and I have this and I studied that and I did this and I'm strong. But people that are humble and get big, powerful results, because they, they make a big deal out of the grace of God. Make a big deal out of the grace of God publicly. Sometimes you might have to say in front of your coworkers, God's grace is going to get us through this. And then 24 hours goes by and things get worse than the natural. What do you say then? <laughs> you say it even stronger. God's grace is getting us through this hard time. A week goes by, things are even worse. What do you do then? You get even stronger and say, God's grace is getting us through this. He didn't lie. His grace is sufficient for us. See, people that don't quit win. People that don't quit believing in the goodness of God, they're the ones that win. 
I like what Rachel said today. It's, it's when you believe in the goodness of God in the land of the living that you're going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. It's there all along, but some people never see it because they never turn to it and believe in it. Okay, so turn with me, finally, brethren, to James chapter 4. I encourage you to speak it out loud when you feel like there's no hope. His grace is sufficient for me. Say this, I don't have to be perfect to win the battle. <laughs> Say it again, I don't have to be perfect to win the battle. Why? Because somebody loves you and has provided for you all the power you need. Access it. Amen. Don't pray for it. Access what he's already given. All right. Amen. Thank you, Lord. How many know I'm not against prayer, right? You understand that. I'm just saying there's some things you don't have to pray for. Just access them. James 4. I got to hurry here. James chapter 4. Look at verse 4 through 10. Let's read this out of the Today's Passion translation, okay? If you don't have that, look up on the screen. James says, you've become spiritual adulterers who are having an affair, an unholy relationship with the world. So stop right there. So the people that he's talking to, they don't deserve no help, right? I mean, they're, in a, they're in an affair against God. I mean, what's he going to say? He's going to say, hey, you adulterers that are having an affair with the world and a relationship with the world and the world system. Hey, let me just tell you, you know what my word is to you? You're toast. It's over for you. You flaked one too many times. That is not God's word to people who are messing up. Aren't you glad that God's people aren't God? <laughs> oh, praise God. He says, you become spiritual adulterers who have an affair with an unholy relationship with the world. Do you know that flirting with the world's values places you at odds with God? Whoever chooses to be the world's friend makes himself God's enemy. Keep going. Does the scripture mean nothing to you that says the spirit that God breathed into our hearts is a jealous lover who intensely desires to have more and more of us? Keep going. But he continues to pour out more and more grace upon us. How many of you like that? More and more grace. Ever needed more and more grace? I tell you, I've needed more grace than some people, and I thank God I knew how to appropriate it before those times came. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Come on, if you need something and you haven't been getting it any other way, believe for more grace. So he's going to show you how it comes. Okay, so God resists you when you're proud. And usually proud people say, I don't need no help from God. I don't need no help from people. I get everything on my own. Now, sometimes you just got to say, you know what? I can't do it all on my own. I need help. Right. I thought you were a man. I am. I'm a man that believes in God. God resists you when you're proud, but continue to pour out grace when you're humble. Oh, there's a huge key right there. Humble. One, one of the words that can help describe humble is respectful, deference, unassertive. God pours out grace when you're humble. Next verse. So then surrender to God. Stand up to the devil and resist him, and he will turn and run away from you. All starts with surrender to God, though, doesn't it? Move your heart closer and closer to God. He will come even closer to you. But make sure you cleanse your life, you sinners. Still talking to sinners, giving them hope. 
and keep your heart pure and stop doubting. Feel the pain of your sin. Be sorrowful and weep. Let your joking around be turned into mourning and your joy into deep humiliation. Be willing to be made low before the Lord and He will exalt you. In other words, admit you've done wrong. Don't pretend it didn't happen. God knows it did anyway, right? And the Bible says what will happen if you're an adulterer, you're a sinner, what will happen? He will lift you up. That's what grace does. It lifts you out of things that you don't deserve to be lifted out of. One more scripture and we'll close. Romans chapter 5. Everybody say this. Begging is not accessing. I want to show you that in Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 2. Grace is about getting help for something you deserve to be punished for. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, being justified or made righteous or born again by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Next verse. By Jesus also. Everybody say, there's more. Thank God we're saved. Thank God we're born again. Thank God we're going to heaven. But you see the word also? There's more to, to this Christianity than just a ticket to heaven. By whom also we have access. Everybody say access. Are you accessing anything? Or are you just waiting for everything to float to you on a pillow? Are you accessing anything, church? Are you just waiting for things to come to you? Are you stepping through the door? Are you accessing any of this? By, by whom also? By Jesus we have access, and it's by faith. Faith is the key into this grace wherein we already stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. See that word grace? Everything you need is in that verse right there. I said, everything you need is in that word grace. By Jesus, through your faith, you can come into anything you need. That's different than waiting for it to come to you. You can come into any part of this grace that you want and need anytime you're ready to believe that it's by Jesus and through my faith in him and what he's done that gets me these things in my life. I can't think of anything greater that would help us to be amazing servants of the Lord than realizing how much how good his grace is toward us. I mean, you read these scriptures long enough, you want to serve him. You want to live right. And you know it's by his grace that you do. So praise God. Let's stand up, church.